Kane is in the building. Welcome to season two of the Let's Talk Wrestling podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kelby Bachman. The song you just heard is Right Above It featuring Drake by Lil Wayne, and it is also the walkout song for the next guest on the show, Lauren Louive. Lauren is from Maslin, Ohio, and grew up barrel racing and running before she eventually became enamored with the sport of wrestling. Lauren wrestled at the University of the Cumberlands in Kentucky and was a four-time All-American. She has since gone on to become extremely successful on the world circuit, so much so that it would take me too long to list all of her accomplishments. She currently trains at the Askren Wrestling Academy in her pursuit of her Olympic dreams. She's also available for camps and clinics. You can contact her via Facebook or Instagram or through her website, which you can find in the show notes. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy Lauren Louive. How's the weather out there? Um, actually, so far, so good. When okay. I left Wisconsin, it was snowing and it made me nervous. So I kind of skipped out before a couple workouts because I was like, oh, it's supposed to hit here at nine o'clock, but I think I'm ahead of it. So that's good. Nice. So where are you headed? Ohio. My parents okay. live in Ohio. So. Okay. And so you train, you train in Wisconsin. I, I thought I overheard you at the World Cup. You, you train with Askren. That's correct. Yeah. Nice. How's that working out? Uh, really good. Really good. Actually. Uh, my main coach is his high school coach, which is John Messenbrink. So really, yeah. Yeah. So I really enjoy, I work with the combination of both of them. So I I really enjoy that. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask, so you've been with a few different clubs now. Um, how do you kind of pick and choose, you know, kind of what, what club fits for you, you know, cause now there's they're starting to get a lot out there. So there's a lot to choose from. So, you know, how do you kind of figure out what um, fits for you? I mean, I think it starts with knowing yourself uh, and, um, you know, knowing yourself, knowing your, what your wrestling is and, and knowing what you need. And then, you know, looking for that and finding what club offers, what it is that you need and what it is that you're looking for. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, but if you don't know yourself, you kind of don't really know where to start, you know, so, <laughs> yeah. or what you're lacking or what you need to add to your arsenal. And so, yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's probably just like anything else. Like, I don't know. I'll just maybe relate it to therapy. Yeah. If you don't know why you're going to therapy in the first place, you probably don't know what, where to go to start therapy in a way. You know what I mean? I know that might not be yeah. a great correlation, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's I, I agree with that. Yeah. Well, because Askren, that's is that kind of a newer, um, a newer, um, I keep saying camp, I keep thinking camp, but that's not the right word. Is that like a newer, uh, tra- training location? Is the Askren? It, um, it, it, it is. How new? I'm not exactly sure when, mm-hmm. um, the club was established, but yeah. it is. Yes. So, how'd you kind of get hooked up with that? Like, you know, when, when, um, you know, when clubs start new, you know, how do they draw somebody like you in? Um, I, I asked them, they didn't draw oh, really? me in. <laughs> I reached out to them. Yeah. I was like, Hey, can I come train here? <laughs> you guys have what I need. <laughs> so yeah. 
which is what, I guess, what, like, what do you need? Um, for me, you know, um, you know, Ben Askren and coach Messenbrink, you know, they're, they're known for doing things, um, outside of the norm. And, um, I, I needed to to do something a little bit different. So yeah, just adding a little bit more to my arsenal and just doing things in a different way. Mm-hmm. You know, that was actually, that kind of leads me into one thing I was going to ask you is like, you know, you're, you're more of a veteran in, in the sport of women's wrestling, you know, as now some of these younger women are coming in, how do you kind of keep up with the younger generation that's coming through the ranks a little bit, you know, for someone like yourself, who's been around and, you know, has a little bit of wear and tear. Yeah. I don't look at it that way. I don't uh, look okay. at it as I have to keep up with them. They have to keep up with me. Nice. Good. And and so I, it's, I think it's a mindset as is anything. And so I, I just don't view it that way, you know? And the other thing is to, um, you know, this whole, this whole, um, wrestling competing process stuff, like, yeah, everybody wants to win, but it's ultimately about like refining yourself. Mm -hmm. And so like, yeah, of course, everybody wants to be on top, but when you focus on refining the skills, that you need to refine, that's when you ultimately become successful. Mm-hmm. What, what have you changed over the years and how has your style kind of changed over the years, you know, to kind of adapt a little bit to the sport? Um, yeah, I think um, really the biggest part with it being in the mindset, you know, right. um, you know, not necessarily uh, hasn't been too much change um, as far as the way that, you know, I'm, I'm competing or anything like that or, you know, um, any of my wrestling style, but I think the biggest change has been the mindset, the way that I view things, the way that I view myself, the way that I view others. I think that's probably been, um, the biggest change over the years. How have you changed that? Cause that, that could be tough, you know? So like, how do you have like a sports psychologist or did you read some books or, you know, like what, what led you to kind of change your mindset? Yeah. Um, I mean, it, your mindset is a skill. You know, and I, um, I, I think everyone knows in wrestling, like there, everyone always says, you know, it's, it's 80% mental or 90% mental. Like you, you hear all that, but it's a skill. And just like any other skill, it needs to be trained. It needs to be taught. And, um, so yeah, I do work with a, a mindset coach. Um, and he is phenomenal and, um, he's the reason, you know, um, and along with that, um, I do read a lot of books, you know, those contribute and, you know, talks about, um, mindset needing to train mindset, but how much do we actually work on our mind? So, you know, how many drills and skills do we actually train? So I do think that's a very important part of not only wrestling, but life in general too, because, you know, when you, that's one of the reasons that people, um, love wrestling so much, you know, any, anyone who's wrestled is like, Oh, it makes you so mentally tough, mentally strong. It does, you know, um, because of the way that, you know, you have to train and the things, the obstacles you have to overcome with your mind. Um, but in a sport where we are training that, how do you train that? How do you develop those skills? So, yeah. How long yeah. you been working with your, with your mind, mind coach? Uh, uh, quite a few years. So yeah, I I've enjoyed the the process and I've appreciated his leadership and his guidance and it's, it's really helped me. Was there something that kind of like triggered you to start doing that? Like something that, I don't know, adversity that you came up with, like, 
I need to change. I think this might be an idea to look into. Like, how did that even become about? Yeah, I wasn't winning. (laughs) (laughs) Not only that, not only was I not seeing success, but, you know, um, I and everyone, I know a lot of people have um, the same tendency where in the practice room, you know, they're just dominating opponents. They're, um, you know, effective on their skills, um, on their technique. You know what I mean? They're just, they're winning practice. And then when you go into competition mode, it's like not the same. And it feels like more is at stake. It feels like, you know, um, more, it feels like everything's more important and you just don't perform even to the level that you do in the practice room. And so I, I noticed that about myself and I was like, man, I need help. I need help. And, um, it was actually when I was in, when I was training in Iowa at the Hawkeye wrestling club, um, that I met this mindset coach, he came in and put the whole team through, um, actually some mindset exercises. And I reached out to him individually and was like, I need help. <laughs> Could mm-hmm. you help me? <laughs> you know? And he was like, yeah, I think I can. So that's, that's pretty amazing. Like you, you did this on your own. No one was like, Hey, you know, this might be something you need. Like that's pretty self-aware of you to, you know, be able to see that you needed help in a different area. You know, that's, that's tough. That's tough to do. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, um, I guess I want to backtrack a little bit and just kind of maybe go from the beginning, Lauren, like, where are you from? You know, kind of like just talk a little bit about yourself and how you grew up and where you grew up and kind of who you are. (laughs) Okay. Uh, (laughs) Sounds good. Uh, Yeah. I am from Maslin, Ohio uh, originally. And uh, my parents have a small little horse farm in Maslin. Um, and I grew up riding horses and, uh, barrel racing actually was probably my first ever sport. My mom jokes and was like, tells us, you know, that I could ride before I could walk So <laughs> as a baby, like they got me on a horse riding and stuff. And, uh, so yeah, barrel racing was probably my first ever sport. Um, and then growing up, um, running, I fell in love with running. Oh, really? So yeah, absolutely. I ran everywhere I, and I did well at it. Um, you know, uh, high school track records. I ran cross country. Um, in fact, I even got, um, scholarship to college for not only wrestling, but for track and cross country as well. So I ran, yeah, I ran, uh, I only ran, um, one track meet one semester in college. And, um, it was like the 10,000, which is a lot of laps on a track, by the way, (laughs) a ton of laps on a track. Yeah. And, um, Anyway, I did pretty well at that conference meet and the cross country coach actually approached me and was like, Hey, we need you to run cross country for us. Oh and I was like, ah, if you can match <laughs> my wrestling scholarship, I'll do it. So, um, yeah, so they did. And so I wow. did, uh, yeah. So I did run cross country and, uh, wrestled both in college. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was fun. It was good. Um, I ended up being a better wrestler than a cross country runner. <laughs> I, I was pretty good in high school as far as running goes and not so good in wrestling against the boys. Um, but, but yeah, um, it was actually my high school coach that told me, Hey, you know, you could wrestle in college. And, you know, I didn't know that was a thing. Um, and 
then there was only five colleges that offered scholarship to women. And I mean, mm-hmm. as you know, it's, it's growing and, and the numbers are changing every day with all the new additional programs, which is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that our sport is growing at the, the these women have so many opportunities. Um, so, so yeah, I wrestled in college at the, uh, university of the Cumberlands, uh, the one in Kentucky, there's like two of them. There's one in Tennessee and one in Kentucky. Um, so yeah, I wrestled in college at the university of the Cumberlands. I was a four-time all American for them. Um, I never made it to the finals or anything like that. Um, but I always knew that I wanted to continue, um, pursuing the, pursuing the dream and, you know, chasing after, you know, world Olympic titles mm-hmm. and, um, I had that dream, that dream started actually when I was six years old. <laughs> so really? yeah. Um, my parents, um, used to make us watch the Olympics, um, from yeah, six years. I mean, just from when I can remember, you know, the Olympics starting and they'd be like, this is history that you, you know, this is history. They'd always make us watch anything that was like historical. Mm-hmm. And, um, I remember watching it and just like knowing, and I, I told my parents at six years old, I was like, I'm going to be there one day. I will be there one day. And, uh, but I thought it was going to be for tracking cross country and running, you know, cause I ran everywhere. Mm-hmm. So, um, but then late, you know, later that changed to, I want to do it for wrestling. And, um, yeah, so wrestled in college. Um, I was a grad assistant there for two years after I graduated. So got my master's degree, um, and coached, you know, while training, which is hard. It's, that's a very hard thing to do is mm-hmm. to, focus on yourself. Um, and then also be able to give to others and, and not that you can't do the same, both at the same, but it's, it's really difficult to be so focused on yourself and be in the role of a coach as well. How'd you balance that? Um, you know, I, I was lucky, um, that the women's coach, um, understood the goal and, um, understood the, what I was, you know, after, and, you know, he, he kind of exempted me from some things in the office. Now I did still help with like fundraising and, and, you know, putting together, um, you know, like prepping for the tournaments and, you know, and I drove the buses out to the competitions and I coached in the corner and stuff like that. But, um, he understood, you know, the goal. And so like, I could get my workouts in at different times than the girls. And, but, um, it was still, it was still really, really hard to learn how to balance that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So afterwards I knew that I wanted to continue, um, training. And, uh, I was like, went to, um, the Hawkeye wrestling club and I trained in the Hawkeye wrestling club. I was there for four years, um, wrestled there. Um, and then I left and went to the Olympic training center, trained out there for a little bit. And I just most recently moved to Wisconsin. Wow. Yep. So <laughs> when when did you so you said like you started cross country and track that was kind of your vision. When did the vision start to shift to wrestling and why did it shift to wrestling, you know? What, how did you get into wrestling? Um yeah, so it shifted to wrestling probably about in in high school and I started wrestling in in 8th grade. <laughs> But, you know, I, I'm like, I almost don't want to count that year, but you know, that's when I started. <laughs> yeah. I almost don't want to count it because it's so awful, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, I started in eighth grade. The reason I start was like kind of a combination of things that happened. So again, running being, you know, the main thing that I loved and the main thing that I wanted to do, I ran track in the spring and 
cross country in the, the fall, summer, you know? And I was like, man, in the winter, I really need a sport to stay in shape if, you know, for running. So I went out for the basketball team yeah. and, uh, the basketball coaches said at the meeting, like, Hey, if you don't know how to dribble a ball, you should just leave. And I took them extremely literal and I left the meeting and I went to the wrestling meeting and they're like, yeah, you can wrestle, you know, wrestling is one of those welcoming sports that invites anyone and everyone. And so they're like, yeah, sure. You can wrestle. And I was the, the first girl to wrestle in our middle school team. And they welcomed me with open arms and the combination of the reason I went to wrestling aside from, you know, basketball pretty much told me no, what is that? Um, <laughs> My little brother also was wrestling at the time and he wrestled in youth. And so he's, um, he would always come home and he would be like, mom and dad, check out this cool new move. I learned at practice. And I'm like <laughs> hanging out on the couch, watching TV. And he attacks me and will put, you know, put me in these like moves. And I needed to learn how to defend myself. <laughs> so it was a, a combination of all of those things, uh, in, in the right timing. So for the record, could you dribble a basketball? You just, or could uh, not very good. You know, I had high expectations of myself. And so I think that I believed that I needed to already know those skills and I didn't have them. You know, yeah. it's not like I wasn't coordinated or anything like that. I just, I had never been taught. And mm -hmm. I thought that they expected me in eighth grade to have already gone through something like that. And mm -hmm. I don't know if they did or not really, but uh, <laughs> that's what I believed. <laughs> yeah. When did barrel racing? So you were barrel racing during this time too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So barrel barrel racing is like, you know, summer and fall. So we didn't, I mean, we practiced all year around. Um, my parents, like I said, have a small little horse farm and we've got an arena at the top of the pasture up there that we would like practice in and stuff. But the saddle clubs that we were involved in and, um, my sister now tra um, travels the nation and she actually still competes in barrel racing. Um, wow. like I do with wrestling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and she's actually a world champ in, uh, um, mounted shooting, which is another form of like horse activities. <laughs> so, um, but she, so she travels the world now or the nation now, but, um, back then we just kind of stayed pretty local. And so the, that was mainly barrel racing was mainly fall and in summer. Nice. Did you, did you at some point feel you had to give that up just in case you got hurt? Like is injuries a big thing in, in barrel racing? Like, you know, you, my mom fell off a horse and she tore her meniscus, you know? So like, yeah. Um, there's always that risk. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's always that risk. Um, I think when you, you build that trust with your horse and you can anticipate their movements, just like when you, with a training partner, right? A lot of times, like if you don't trust the training partner, you're going to protect yourself a little bit more than with a training partner that you are maybe very familiar with. And, you know, is going to kind of look out for you. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you're more amped to go full out, you know, or maybe not protect yourself as much and, and try the things that you maybe won't with someone that you're not familiar with. So, um, I think it's similar with when you know your horse, you, you kind of have an idea of the limits and where you can push those. And, mm -hmm. um, so like, yeah, for me, like, you know, I, I don't come home and like try and jump in a national competition or something like that, but I do still come to my parents' house and, and ride. And I'll still like, you know, jump in a Friday night fun show every once in a while and compete. But again, I'm just competing because I, I love doing it. I'm not actually yeah. like, you know, trying to beat my sister or beat anyone else <laughs> out there. Really. I'm just doing it for fun. What's your horse's name? Her name is Tink. Tink. So, yeah. Tink. Yeah. So it's a, it's short for, um, 
Twinkle Like a Boston Cody Star is her actual registered name. It's so. Twinkle Like a like a what? Twinkle Boston Cody Star. Twinkle Like a Boston Cody Star. Yeah. So um, with horses and dogs, typically you try and put the bloodlines in their name. So her bloodlines are Boston Mac and Cody Star. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And how long have you had your horse? Oh, gosh. Um, She was actually my sister actually trained her for me. She was born on our farm, but um, my sister actually trained me, trained her for me as a Christmas present. Gosh, she's probably 10 years old now. So. Wow. Yeah. How long? And I'm, I'm not well-versed on the horse knowledge, but how long do they normally live? Um, it depends. Um, but you know, a horse that's, you know, getting up into the teens is considered older. Um, you know, 19, 20, 25 is pretty old. All yeah. Right. 30, 30 is really old. Like you're so, lucky uh, if they'll make it to 30. So Tink still has some good years left. She does. does. (laughs) Are you going back to see her now? Yeah, actually. Yes. All right. I bet she misses you. (laughs) She actually runs from me every time I come to the pasture because, you know, I, you know, I'm not home often to work or, you know, with training for wrestling. So when I do come home, she knows it's going to be rough. (laughs) Yeah. She's not excited to see me actually. (laughs) Oh, she's not. No, oh. because she knows she's going to have to work hard. <laughs> no kidding. Huh. Yeah. That's funny. What, um, what color is she? She's black. Black. Ooh, nice. She's black. Cool. Slick. Slick. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, back to, back to kind of your wrestling, you said you were, you tried in eighth grade and did you just like kind of fall in love with it or like what kind of started the love for wrestling? You know? Yeah. Um, so I had, I was, like I said, I, ha- I was having a lot of success with, um, tracking cross country and, and running. And, you know, I, I was just, um, I would go to these meets and I'd be like the MVP of the, of the meet for tracking cross country or, you know, I'd get, um, the, a record for the, you know, the, uh, the track record, or I'd get my high school record or something like that. And it was awesome. I mean, I loved it, but I, it, it came easier to me. And wrestling was hard, you know, wrestling, wrestling was really hard and that how tough it was, um, how hard it was for me was actually what drew me to it. Um, because I wasn't successful at first, you know, and I also played soccer too. So I ran cross country and played soccer in the same season. And, um, you know, I, I wasn't as skilled in soccer, but I was fast and I could, you know, keep, I could defend the ball well. And, um, so again, those things kind of came easier to me and, um, wrestling was just, it was hard. It was grueling. It was tough. I'm, I was wrestling against the boys and, um, yeah, it was something that I wanted to continue fighting for. Were you the only girl? I was the only one. Okay. And what, so when you, cause that, at that time, that's kind of when the maturation process, you know, catches up, you know, with the, with the girls, you know, the boys kind of, that's, I don't know how to say this. That's when the boys kind of mature and they hit puberty, you know, and, and that's when they start to surpass, if you will, you know, the, the girls, was that difficult for you or how did you keep up with, with that? Or were you already ahead of them and they had to catch up to you? (laughs) Yeah, no, um, I was, I 
base strength just from like, you know, doing stuff on the farm, like carrying water and all that good stuff. But, um, yeah, they're much stronger, you know, and, and they had been, most of them had been wrestling for, you know, longer, like including the guys on my team, you know, they all started when they were like six years old or, you know, seven years old or something like that. So technically they had me beat and then with the strength as well, but, um, I was pretty gritty. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think it was like, you know, again, just the mindset of like, you know, just, I'm just going to keep fighting this and just, um, and sometimes I would squeak out a win, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, um, but just by, just by staying in it and staying in the battle and keep continuing to fight. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So then you, you wind up at, at the university of Cumberland and you said you didn't even really know that that was a thing. Correct. Yeah. I was actually a a senior and I didn't know that girls wrestled and it was actually my high school coach that brought it to my attention, um, that I could wrestle. And I started like Googling schools and yeah, there was five of them. And, uh, I think I applied to two out of the five, um, the two like kind of closest ones, which was Mm -hmm. Jamestown and Cumberland's. And I ended up going to Cumberland's actually, I actually showed up at Cumberland's before like even visiting, like I just showed up for, um, yeah. I, yeah. I just showed up for whatever the day, the first day is orientation day. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and so you, you just show up and hope you like it, I guess. I mean, yeah, well, I knew I was going to do, I knew I wanted to continue wrestling and that was basically the closest option. Real Okay. So what would you major in then? Like, did, did you have any like sweet classes that you took or was it just, you were there to wrestle? Uh, I actually triple majored. Whoa. Yeah. Yep. So I actually originally wanted to be, uh, an orthopedic surgeon. Oh, wow. (laughs) And yeah. And then I realized, you know, I'm, I'm not that good at biology and, (laughs) (laughs) and medical school is going to be really rough because I'm not that good at biology and I rather spend my time in a wrestling room. You know, my parents are like, Oh no. (laughs) Um, but I did, again, it was the challenge. Um, the biology degree was hard. So Mm -hmm. I continued, I was like, you know, I'm going to graduate with this. So I did get my biology degree. Um, I also, um, majored in exercise sports science and public health. And you wrestled, how'd you balance all of that? Um, yeah, it, it was not easy. It was really hard. In fact, I still wonder sometimes how I did it because I (laughs) also worked, I did work study as well. So I worked too. So I don't know. I don't know either. (laughs) Do you have a, did you minor in anything either? No minors, just three majors. Good. (laughs) (laughs) And then you got your, your masters, like you you really continued down the education path and you like a student athlete, man, you're, you're like the epitome of that. I'm just, I'm impressed. (laughs) Thanks. I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be like taken aback, but that's just, that's just awesome. I guess I should say, you know, like you got it going Thank on. You. I actually had a team in mind. I had a team, like I was one of my best friends and she got four degrees and oh was a national champ. And a national champ? And yeah, she wrestled for Cumberland. Uh, yeah, and a national champ. Uh, Lakia Henderson. So yeah, she... She killed it. I was like, man, she, four, yeah, four majors. So why, like, I guess, why did you pursue three different majors? Not necessarily different, but three majors. 
Yeah, I guess I couldn't make up my mind. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, uh, you know, wanting to be an, an orthopedic surgeon, the, yeah. you know, you, you go pre-med, which is, you know, biology. And, um, so that's why I started with that. And then again, it was the, it was the challenge, you know, I, ha- I did have a teacher and I, I tell this story to kids. Um, I had my advisor, yep. she, um, after the first semester of, of one biology class, she was like, Hey, you know, you really need to, you know, this isn't for you. You really need to, uh, to change your major. And I was like, in my head, I was like, who are you to tell me what I'm going to do for the rest of my life and what I can major in, what I can't major in. Like, why do you get to decide my life? But out loud, I said, yes, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. And then (laughs) I went and changed advisors because I was like, clearly this lady's not going to help me. Mm -hmm. Um, If she's telling me to quit, she's telling me to quit and switch Mm -hmm. degrees. Like, what if I want to be an orthopedic surgeon? You know, why, why do you get to decide that? Why does one class get to decide that? And I I decided it doesn't. So I'm going to get this degree. And so I switched advisors and I worked really hard and, um, that's what I wanted to continue. but, um, well, too, at the same time is that exercise sports science, you know, was something that I actually enjoyed the classes were, I mean, they were kind of easy, but I also enjoyed it because it's a, you know, it's about sports and sports medicine and, you know, those kind of things. And so, um, anatomy and stuff like that. And so I did that degree because I did enjoy the classes. And then I realized that public health and exercise sports science were pretty similar mm-hmm. and, um, the difference was only a few classes. So yeah. So I just did all three. <laughs> huh. Wow. That's just, that's a lot. And I'm, that's awesome. Thanks. I, I'm just taking all that in. Cause I'm, I'm majoring in, in two, you know, I'm double majoring and, and they're pretty similar. It's basically like your public health and your exercise science are pretty similar, but to add on another major, that's like kind of outside the realm a little bit, like, Oh, I, and how, what did you finish in four years too? five years. It took me five years, but, um, luckily I did have, you know, eligibility. I got injured one year and, and then had eligibility. So, you know, I wrestled the five years too. Nice. Wow. Five years, three degrees. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was fun. <laughs> yeah. How, um, did you like have a lot of study study halls or, um, you know, study table, I guess they might call it. Um, we didn't, we didn't really have study tables or study halls. No. Um, but when I worked, um, it was, it was work study, right? So whenever you finished your work, then you, then you could work on your homework, um, Mm -hmm. while you were still at work. And so I did some of those and luckily I had a few teammates, um, that also, um, did the same job that I did. And so then, we would, you know, study together. And luckily two of them were biology majors and they were way better than me. So I was like, Hey, can you guys help me with this? And, you know, so I just, I just got help from where I needed it. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. Um, so, you know, your college career, your ultimate goal was probably a national championship or what were your expectations going into college, knowing that maybe you still had some gains to make that other people who had been wrestling for longer, like what, when you got to college, what was that scene like for you? Um, yeah, when I got to college, um, we actually had 60 girls on the roster oh, at Cumberland, no. 60, six, zero. Yeah. Again, cause there's only five opportunities, right? right. So 
and women's wrestling was big in Texas and California. That's where Texas, California, and Hawaii was the majority of my team and my teammates. I knew I wanted to keep going. And, you know, I knew the ultimate goal was, you know, um, the Olympics and yeah, it wasn't, I wasn't, you know, as a freshman, you know, I'm there to fight for something to make a, to make a lineup. And I guess I didn't realize what a big deal it was when I did make the lineup freshman year, you know, I, cause I didn't was like, yeah, this is what I'm here to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and we would go places and compete and have three teams, three full lineups, you know, four, four full lineups, um, for like inner squad and stuff like that. And so, yeah, it was just, um, we had a, we had, we had a lot and you had a lot of people to, to fight through and, but yeah, no, I, I never looked at it as, as that. I just was doing what I wanted to do and what I came there to do. Yeah. So like you just, you basically were just, this is the expectation I have. And that's, this is just what I have to do to get it. So it's no big deal. Like I expect this, I expect to make the lineup. I expect to win. Like, yeah. And I think part of it might have been, um, you know, wrestling women in college was the first time I wrestled women. Right. And, um, um, something, you know, I had one of my high school, well, my high school coach told me when I was in high school, something, it was like, he would tell me this all the time, actually, um, you should never lose to a girl. There's no girl out there that should be able to beat you, which gave me that expectation of, I should never lose to a girl, which was also very, very, very defeating when I did lose to a girl. Mm, And my world kind of fell apart. Cause I'm like, this, this is not supposed to happen. Someone who I really respect. And, you know, I believe that now, um, that I'm not supposed to lose to a girl, you know, it's okay to lose to a boy because you know, the odds are stacked against you. But when you lose to a girl, you really lost, you know? And, um, that was hard to deal with the first couple of times I came across that. Um, but I think that probably led into some of the expectations that I had for myself in college wrestling against the women. Um, the college coach at Cumberland's, he was actually the team Ohio coach that takes a group of, uh, you know, athletes to Fargo for the national oh, tournament. Nice. And, um, yeah. So I was like, what's that? He was like, Hey, you should come. And so I had a week crash course before I went to Fargo and then competed in Fargo. And that was the first time I wrestled freestyle and then went right into the college season. Wow. How difficult was that to be wrestling? I mean, because I assume these, these girls and well, these women now that you were wrestling in college had been wrestling freestyle the entire time. Um, not everyone. Some, yes. Yeah. Some, yes. And I think, um, the girls and women now, um, are much more knowledgeable about, you know, the opportunities in college and that it's freestyle, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I think when I was going into college, not everyone knew that some, yes, but I didn't know that there was an opportunity to wrestle in college. And I think others were similar to my situation. And Yeah, I know um, my friend that I talked about, Lakia Henderson, the mm-hmm. the national champ heavyweight, um, who also got four four majors in college. Um, she didn't decide to go to Cumberland's and wrestle in college until, you know, uh, after Fargo. Wow. So yeah, she lost in the national finals in Fargo, and then decided to wrestle in college because she lost. So she wanted <laughs> to continue that dream. Yeah. Um, so I, I think other, there were other similar situations as well. Um, so, yeah. Hmm. And, you know, with going to, so the weights from what you were doing in high school to college, was that like how, 
how difficult is it? Because I was, you know, I was at the World Cup, obviously. Um, and the weights are only like, what, three kilograms apart? Yeah. So in women's, like, how difficult is that to figure out what weight you're going to go and how you're going to jump between weights, you know? Yeah. Um, in college, I mean, I just, my freshman year, I pretty much just wrestled kind of what I weighed you know? Mm-hmm. And then like, and you know, and then I started cutting weight, trying to, you know, make this weight class or that weight class. And, you know, I did it completely the wrong way and starved <laughs> and, you know, all that as everyone has to go through that process for some odd reason, but <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, for me, I just, you know, I thought for myself that I would be more successful at a lower weight as, you know, as most people think. Um, and so, yeah, I just went what I weighed and then started cutting weight from there. But yeah. And that was, that was then, you know, and, you know, and now I try and make better strategic decision decisions. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, cause like, you know, looking at it from the men's side, you know, like there's, there's a big, big jump, I guess there can be between like 61 and 65 kilos or 57 and 61 or whatever, you know, but yeah, on the women's side, from the outside perspective, going between like 59 and 62 doesn't seem as big of a jump, but it is, you know? So like, how do you like figure out what weight you're going to go and why? Um, I think, well, you know, it's different. It, it depends, right. Mm -hmm. For different reasons. Like what's the focus of this competition? You know, what am I looking for? Am I trying to wrestle this person or that person? You know, is it an Olympic year? Is it a non-Olympic year? Um, so different things come to play, you know, what is like, am I focusing on movement in this competition? What, what is it that I'm focusing on? A lot of that kind of determines weight, you know, um, again, am I trying to wrestle this person internationally? Am I trying to wrestle this person nationally? Um, you know, am I trying to qualify for Olympic trials? Am I trying to make the world team? I think all where, where can I fit in the line alignment? Those are all questions. I think you ask yourself when you're, when you're choosing a weight class, you know, where do I move best, you mm-hmm. know? How, how do I wrestle best? You know, is the weight cut difficult for me? Is it something I feel good at? Is it, you know, all those questions. Um, yeah, th- those help determine what it is that you, you decide. And, um, for me in college, again, it wasn't that strategic for me. In college, <laughs> it was like, I weigh this. So obviously I should wrestle 10 pounds lighter. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> um, yeah. Another thing I was watching, at the the World Cup that kind of came to mind is um, what the women have to do with their hair as opposed to the men. You know, obviously you just shave your head if you, you know, but women, they keep, most of them have their hair long and but braided or pony, not ponytail really, but you know, how did you figure out the best way to really put your hair up so it doesn't continuously kind of get in your face or whatever? Uh, yeah, I failed at that a few times. Because yeah. <laughs> you have um, really thick, curly hair. So I imagine it probably had to be difficult at first. Yeah, I used to wrestle just in like a bun just because I was like, oh, I can get my hair up really fast. It's I'm like, it's gonna, It's bound determined to come down eventually. And <laughs> if it's in a bun, I can throw it up super fast. And then mm-hmm. I realized that that wasn't a good strategy. So I started going with the braids. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I was watching Felicity Taylor. And, um, I'm pretty sure one of her, um, uh, headbands snapped 
her hair ties, one of her hair ties snapped. And so she had to like rebraid it. And like, does that like get you out of sync or like when you're sitting there, you know, and you have to like, hold on, let me put my hair back up a little bit. Like, does that do anything or is it just whatever I got to do it and refocus? No, it's part of it. I mean, it's, it's part of the sport, you know, fixing your hair is same, same part of the sport is, you know, injuries come along with the sport and, Mm -hmm. you know, so does weight management and so does, yeah, fixing your hair is just part of it, (laughs) you know, wardrobe malfunction. Um, We're having, we're having to put our, fix our hair and stuff at practice too. So you get a lot of practice of of what works well and what doesn't. (laughs) What doesn't work well? Ah, for me, you know, but buns and ponytails, really a ponytail (laughs) because that thing can get stuck anywhere. (laughs) Do you, and do you like, um, do you do your own hair or does, do you have like teammates that help you out with that, that kind of help you do it for you or French braid it or whatever? I, you know, uh, I can, I can French braid my own hair. And so I, I typically do that just so I can get better at it because, you know, control uh, what you can control. And, you know, sometimes I'm at a meet, I can't control if, um, one of my teammates is available to, to braid my hair, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, my teammates can definitely braid it tighter, you know, Tamara Hansa <laughs> and Maya Nelson, they both have very tight braids. And, and mm-hmm. I love when I get the opportunity to have them braid my hair, but, um, I need to know how to do it myself. And so I learned, um, so I didn't have to rely on anyone else. Really? You taught yourself. Yes. Oh, was that difficult? Um, no, you just practice in the mirror. It takes you a while. You mess up, you know, you just gotta be like anything willing to fail and make mistakes and it look terrible and then just keep doing it. Uh, what other challenges? I don't really, I guess one necessarily call that a challenge, but what are some of the challenges that women wrestlers face that men don't, or that people from the outside don't even realize that women wrestlers face? Yeah. Um, great question. Um, I think one of them, and, you know, we talked about, you know, the opportunities for women growing and continue to grow. And I'm very, very thankful for that. Um, but you know, over the years, and again, it's, it's getting so much better, but over the years, um, you know, even being welcome into a room. So, you know, you go into a wrestling room and typically, you know, a a lot of male wrestlers are welcome most places you know, and, um, sometimes you walk into a room and, you know, as a female, they, they might, no, no one really wants to wrestle you, you know, unless there are other females in the room or something like that. And, um, that is not, I should say that's not straight across the board. I have been welcomed into plenty of rooms. Um, but you can always tell the rooms that you're welcome in and the rooms that you're not welcome in, in the sense that, you know, the coach is the leader and, their guys follow their lead. So I've been in rooms before where the guys do not, they're not they're They don't really want to wrestle me. Or if they do wrestle me, you know, they're maybe being extra aggressive or um, maybe not, not necessarily trying to hurt you, but trying to let you know what's up. Um, and, um, and typically in those rooms, you know, the coach isn't very welcoming. Um, so they, the athletes follow the leader and in some of the other rooms where, you know, the coach is very welcoming and inviting and, and is like, we are so glad that you're here. Um, the boys treat you accordingly, you know, and, and the boys are excited that you're there and, and to wrestle with you and to help you learn and to learn with you and, and all those things. So just kind of two different experiences. And I'm not sure if, you know, a lot of guys have experienced that, um, 
non-welcomeness, <laughs> I guess, you know, um, in, in some rooms. So, you know, that's one thing, um, girls and guys wrestle a little bit differently, you know, um, you know, hips, strength, flexibility, all that kind of stuff. So wrestling girls and wrestling guys a little bit different. So unless you're a guy that's wrestled, you know, girls before you, you get into like, there's a lot of like basic positions that are the same, but for girls and guys, there's a lot of positions that are entirely different, you know? Um, so sometimes like I'll train, um, with coaches and, you know, they'll be telling me, you know, certain positions. I'm like, man, I, I don't really see that position, but I noticed the men end up in that position a whole lot. Um, for example, one's a chest strap, one's, one's a chest strap. And I remember going over, um, chest wrap defense, uh, not, not in Wisconsin, but in another training location, I was going over chest wrap defense. And I was like, I have never been in this position before. And I, you know, I don't know a lot of, a whole lot of women that chest wrap. Um, so that's a position that I know men get into a lot and I don't think women get there a whole lot. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those are some, maybe some differences. Yeah. One thing I, uh, the only time I felt unwelcome is when you go into like a rival school, you know, and you're, you're, you're at first kind of like sizing each other up, you know, where you're like, Ooh, you go to this school and we're rivals and like, Ooh, you know, but yeah. uh, I, that was actually going to be one of my questions was about, I know I've heard in the past that, that, you know, this way back in the past, I guess, well, it's not that far. I mean, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you know, the women, you know, a girl would come into a practice room and they'd be like, our goal is to make her never want to come back here again, you know, type of mentality where for whatever reason they wouldn't, like you said, they wouldn't be necessarily mean, but there would be a little extra aggressiveness, a little extra to that cross face, you know? And so like, I can, I can see how that would, you know, how you could face that. And that would just be demeaning, I guess, or, you know, just, but how did you kind of overcome that? And, you know, when you, when you dealt with some of that adversity, how did you like just brush it off and say, you know what, whatever, I'm going to keep plucking along. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. You know, I've had, um, I'm actually just thinking about this one right now, but, um, when I was in high school competing, you know, there was a school that, um, the boy, you know, forfeited his match to me and, mm-hmm. and, you know, they had two guys at my weight class. I'm like, why confused? I don't know. Dressel. You know, like mm-hmm. what, why don't there's two guys at my weight class. It was like one of those tri So you knew that there was like, and I got to wrestle the other school, but the one school in particular that was close to my town, they had two guys, in the lineup. Cause you know, one wrestled back up. So I knew, um, mm-hmm. and then when I went out, they took a forfeit and I was like, man, why, why didn't I get to wrestle? And, um, yeah, that's, that kind of like is a bummer and stuff like that. Um, and now I'm headed back to, um, Ohio actually, um, you know, to my hometown for, um, to enjoy the holidays with my family. And, um, I'm actually running a clinic for that school. Wow. So that's fun. But, (laughs) um, I did, I did make the decision, um, early on in my athletic career. Um, I don't even, I don't even know that it was in wrestling. Um, it might've been running actually that I made the decision that I won't, I won't leave my athletic career up to a coach. It's on me. I won't ever let a coach make me quit. 
Wow. So, and again, I think, I think I made that decision in, in running, not necessarily in wrestling. So, um, I think having that mentality going into wrestling already that no one else is going to make me quit. It's going to be my own decision. Um, kind of similarly with, you know, when I was in college and my advisor, you know, advising me to, to not get that degree, uh, I, I took the responsibility upon myself that this isn't up to anyone else. This is up to me. Mm-hmm. So yeah. having that pre-made, pre-made decision. Yeah. And we, you know, before the world cup, you said you actually ran a little training, uh, a practice in Perry, you know? Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't a, a pre- it was like a, kind of more of an individual just for a couple girls. Oh, cool. Okay. Do you, um, have, how have you seen then, uh, like my good, interesting, you brought up that you were in Ohio and now you're running a, a practice for this team that forfeited to you. Um, do you still from time to time have to feel like you have a chip on your shoulder? Like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a woman, but I can wrestle and I can beat you even though, you know, sometimes they, you run a practice and some kids might still give you like, what's this woman doing here? You know, do you still see that a lot? Um, you know, I, okay. Absolutely not. Do I want to wrestle with a chip on my shoulder? Absolutely not. Do I want to coach with a chip on my shoulder? Um, because that's not who I want to be and that's not who I am. And I don't think having a chip on your shoulder is helpful. I don't think it makes me a better wrestler. I don't think it makes me a better coach. In fact, I think it makes me act out of emotions and I don't want to do that. Um, I want to make, um, decisions that when I'm coaching are helpful to my athletes and decisions as an athlete that are helpful for me and that are going to help me succeed. And I don't think, um, training and competing with a chip on my shoulder does that. I think it holds me back and doesn't move me forward. Um, so no, that's, um, (laughs) that's not, that's not how I choose to respond to that. Wow. I, I, I've never heard, you know, a response like that. So I'm just, uh, that's really interesting. And how did you kind of figure that out that that's not who you want to be? Um, you know, competing in, in matches, you know, um, my dad and, um, you know, a lot of coaches kind of tell you wrestle out of anger. You got to get mad, you know, you got to get mad, be tough, blah, blah. blah. And, and when you do that and all you see is red, you kind of don't make really good decisions. You know, you're just kind of coming at the other person super aggressively and, you know, you you just kind of see red Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, realizing that, and that's what happens when we act out of emotions then choosing not to do that and seeing what results, um, because of it. And, you know, even getting into, um, like, a conflicting argument with, with someone and it doesn't have to be an argument, right? It's just like two different points of view on, um, on, on a topic. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, I, you know, I'm not getting emotional over it. I'm just like talking through my points of view and the other person's getting extremely emotional. So this conversation that we're having isn't going to follow me. It's not going to bug me for the rest of the day, but it might have a deeper effect on the other person. And knowing that I don't want to carry that kind of stuff around. Um, that's kind of why I choose to, to train and compete the way that I do without a chip on my shoulder. Hmm. Wow. I'm just taking that in. That's interesting. You know, most people like they'd be like, yeah, you know, I got this chip on my shoulder, like kind of like what you're alluding to, you know, like, I feel like I have to prove I'm out to prove something or whatever. And you're, um, you're the opposite. And that's, 
that's a that's a different perspective I haven't heard. And so I'm just kind of taking that in because that's that's interesting. I don't I don't want it to ever be um, about other people or trying to impress other people, because when you Mm -hmm. make it about someone else, it's not about you. Mm -hmm. So I don't mean that to sound selfish in any way, you know, but when I care about what you think, I'm not focusing it on what's important for me or what it is that I need to focus on to be successful. So mm-hmm. not getting wrapped up into what other people think about me and, and what they think I should be doing and how they think I should be training or how they think I should be, you know, whatever. And when I, if you have a chip on your shoulder, you're concerned about how other people view you. And you know, I'm not the only person, the only person who I care about that thinks about me, you know, is God, you know, I, you know, I care about what God thinks and, you know, if I'm doing the right things to serve him. Um, but yeah. So kind of on that, on that note of just only kind of, you know, not only caring about what God thinks, but yourself, you know, how have you handled the ups and downs of your career, knowing that, you kind of look at yourself in the mirror at the end of the day, you know, how has that kind of, how has that relationship kind of been with yourself throughout the years then? Well, wrestling is a great tool to help you <laughs> learn that. Right. And, it, and don't hear me wrong. It's not like I haven't been caught in that trap before. You know, I, I have bought into the trap of what other people think about me. I have bought into the trap of, um, all of those things. Right. And seeing red and, and going after your opponent. And I, I have, done all of that. And that's how I've learned not to do that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you learn the hard way, you know, especially if you're stubborn, <laughs> like, just learn the hard way. Um, but yeah, no. Um, so I, I have done and tried all of that before and yeah, just realizing that that's not what works with for me. And that's not how I want to be or react or, you know, make decisions. Mm-hmm. So when, when you kind of come up on something, um, some adversity that maybe you didn't win a tournament or something, how do you kind of, how do you, how have you handled that? You know, how do you kind of pull yourself back up and bring, you know, forget about that loss and move on from it? Yeah. Um, I think it's been an evolution for me. You know, I used to take losses very, very personally at first, especially, you know, when you first start or, you know, even, you know, for me for a long time, actually taking losses very, very personally. Um, you know, it goes back to what I told you about thinking another girl should never beat me. That, Mm -hmm. that was something to overcome. That was a belief that I needed to overcome. And it's like, no, she beat you because she was in better position. She beat you because she had more technical skills. You know, it's, it's, she didn't beat you as a person, she didn't beat you for any other things, but Hey, these are tools to help us get better. Now we know the positions to work. Now I know the skills that I need to train, um, offensively, defensively that. So I think when you look at it as the competitions, just being, um, areas where your weaknesses are shown, where the flaws in your own, um, positioning your own, you know, chink in the armor, those things, that's what the matches are doing. You know, it's not about, me versus you it's I'm actually using you as a tool to refine myself it's not you know mono versus mono mono you know it's not anything like that who's the better person who's the tougher no 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 I'm actually using you as a tool to make me better all around I'm going to take the information that I learned at these competitions and I'm going to go back and you know into the the practice room into my laboratory and I'm going to recreate myself 
And, you know, my coaches are going to help me do that. You know, the film study, everything I'm going to go back and work on some things that I need to work on. So thank you for making me better. Hmm. Wow. Um, when, where did some of this, so when you kind of started wrestling and beginning your, your career, you know, how did you become who you are today? How do I say this? Where did the training and everything come from? Because was your family involved or like, um, how did you kind of just start to dive deep into the sport of wrestling to your knowledge that you have today? Yeah. Um, I think it was, that, again, that just a dis- sense. Sorry. I <laughs> know. Yeah, uh, let me know if I'm on the right track here, right. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to train the way that I do and compete the way that I do if it weren't for my family's love and support and, you know, their caring, um, but their, their knowledge of the sport of wrestling does not go deep. You know, the first wrestler in my family was my younger brother. Um, and, and he no longer wrestles. He did wrestle in college, um, for I think two years. Um, and he did have a college scholarship, but, um, you know, I, I think I've just been blessed and lucky to have had a lot of good leaders in my life. You know, I mentioned, you know, um, my mindset coach and, you know, the coaches I train with now. And, you know, I've just, I've had a lot of good leaders that have invested time into, you know, helping me become the best version of myself. And, you know, I think that's, you know, what's helped me a lot. You know, if I would have just decided to stop this path and, you know, go work a normal job, then, you know, maybe I, I wouldn't have been able to be where I am or to continue, you know, I wouldn't have continued training, you know, if that was the case, if I made that decision, but, you know, luckily I'm a little bit stubborn and gritty and I've been blessed with great leaders and a wonderful family. What do you do besides wrestling? Um, <laughs> as far as like for fun or. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you're not wrestling. Yeah. Like what, what do you do for fun or what other, do you have any other hobbies? I love adventures. I, I, you know, I told you about the barrel racing. So of course riding horses, I love doing, um, I love adventures, anything outdoors. Um, I like to, you know, I like to travel, which is great because that comes with the sport. (laughs) Um, uh, you know, I just recently, uh, with, within the COVID, you know, started getting into like hunting and like, I like fishing. I'm not very good at it, but I like doing it. (laughs) I I like doing anything outdoors, climbing mountains. When I lived in Colorado, you know, hiking, um, literally anything outdoors. Um, I also like to read because it, um, you know, engages my mind and expands my, you know, what I think about, uh, I like coffee shops. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. What, what keeps you going? I'm sure you've been asked this, you know, but you've been at this for a long time and you have a lot of awesome accolades, you know, but what, what still drives that fire even to this day to keep you pushing for the next, next thing? You know, I really don't know other than there's a desire deep in my heart and, um, it is definitely alive and burning. You know, you talk to a lot of athletes and you can kind of tell where they're at just in the way they, they talk about the sport or, you know, anything like that. And for me, um, you know, there's been, there's been injuries in the past and it was never a question, you know, whether or not I was going to continue on, you know, it was like, yeah, I'm going to heal up from this and then I'm going to be back. 
you know, or whatever, you know, you're off the mat for a couple of weeks and then you're back, whatever. But for, for me, it is, I, I still do feel that passion, that fire deep down. And a lot of people always ask me like, Hey, when are you retiring? Like, we want you to coach, you know, a lot, a lot of people are like, Hey, you know, how long you got? And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm refused to put an end date to, to something that I absolutely love doing mm-hmm. every single day. I'm, I'm living my, my dream. Like I am absolutely living. If, if I had all the money in the world, I'd be doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So why would I give that up? Why would I cut that short when I'm still able? Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, again, it's not about what other people think. It's not about having something to prove. It's about me chasing my dream. Again, I still have that desire and that dream that was in my heart as a six-year-old little girl mm-hmm. and just working to, to make that dream come true. Um, is kind of what I'm after. And I'm really enjoying the process of seeing my own development as an athlete and, um, you know, my mind expanding and, and being able to share that with other athletes while I'm still competing. Um, because I want to be able to give them something that I wish I had at their age. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's just that desire and that dream to, to chase that thing. What is, you know, were there a couple points that you can think about, you know, in your wrestling career that almost brought you to, you know, over the top emotion emotionally, where you were like, wow, this, you know, this accolade really meant a lot to me. Do you have, you know, can you think back on your career? Cause I know there's a lot. So, um, you know, that one or two instances where you were just, you know, where you were just over the moon, happy. Um, I mean, I was happy when I won my, my U S national title, but, um, the U S open, but I, I really, for me, what, what makes me more emotional than, than any of the, like, no, there's not really a match that I, you know, that I won that I was like, that was awesome. Like, yeah, the, the U S open was pretty cool. And that was pretty fun, um, to win, but honestly, it's when I look back and I see the amount of love and support that I've had from everyone that, that makes me more emotional than any win. Um, you know, I I had host families when I trained in Iowa. So like other families that I lived with, like I didn't live by myself. And when I think about, you know, the care and support and, you know, they became family, they're they're my Iowa family, you know, they're, you know, they really are my Iowa family. And I visit them every time I, I go back through and, um, just that extension of, of family and that support and, and that belief and all of that from, again, all of the mentors and all of the extended family members that aren't related by blood that I've had, um, that makes me more emotional and, and that support more than anything. And, you know, even when I get, you know, I I'll get random texts or messages on Instagram or something from a girl or a, you know, an athlete that I, that I helped. And they're like, Hey, I, I was successful at this. Thank you. That those kind of things mean more than me than getting my hand raised in a match. Hmm. Sorry. I'm, I'm taking that in too. Cause you probably, like you said, you've probably had a lot of, you know, with as long as you've been at it, just a lot of um, hands, you know, kind of help you along the way and support from just so many people, you know, that have 
helped you get to where you are today and even now moving forward you know what whatever lies in front you know the success that you're bound to have yeah yeah and and that's everywhere from wrestling coaches to strength coaches to people that have helped me financially um and it just it overwhelms me you know with with joy that you know, people are willing to do that. And not only willing that they just love being a part of this journey and, you know, this dream that I'm chasing that they want and that they are willing to, to help me to that level. And, you know, that just, yeah, I just, I really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Was there a point in time during your career that you, you know, I guess maybe at the, the beginning of your career where, um, that you won a tournament or something and you're like, all right, Hey, I'm, like that turn the corner for you um, in your career where you decided that like, this is something I'm actually going to be really good at. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I know what you're saying, but I don't ever remember that moment for me, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, Hey, I'm actually really good at that because <laughs> anytime a flicker of thought like that, like pops into my head, you know, my ego immediately gets crushed, you know, yeah. by like, and that, and that's why the sport's so awesome because it's good. At, it's so good at keeping your, your ego in check, you know, and your, um, your pride in check. You know, I, I was actually, I was just laughing. I was just wrestling, um, yesterday actually with, um, my coach's son and, you know, he's a bit younger than me. And, um, you know, I was, my coach was like, Oh, so how'd it go? And we were talking about it. And I was like, he's like, you didn't, you know, I was like, man, he's, he's so strong and he's so fast and explosive. And we are talking about all this stuff. He's like, he didn't hurt you. Did he, did he? And I was like, no, just my pride. Schooled <laughs> 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 by this young kid, you know, and, um, who, who's quite a bit younger than me and, you know, just get schooled by him. And I was like, you know, again, I have to remind myself every day that, you know, it's not about that, you know, it's, it's about making a better version of myself. And it's about, you know, me, you know, yielding these tools that I have, these, you know, weapons of wrestling destruction, you know, and we can always learn from everybody. And when you stop learning, you stop growing. And when you stop growing, that's not, that's not a good thing. And, uh, so just, yeah, keeping that pride in check by, you know, getting beat by someone younger than you and being able to learn from them and ask them questions. That, that kind of, so like I ran cross country and track also, and, um, you know, I can see how that kind of goes hand in hand with wrestling and in, in the fact that you're the fastest kid in the neighborhood, you're the fastest kid at your school, you're the fastest kid in your conference. But then all of a sudden you go to this national tournament or this national meet or whatever, or even this like huge state meet and you get your butt kicked and you're like, yeah, oh, there are kids out there that are faster than me, you know, and that yeah. just drives you to train harder, run faster. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So was there um was there ever a time where you fell out of love with the sport or things weren't going your way and you thought about hanging it up and you know where you just fell out of love and had to come back to the sport you know was there ever a period of time that you had dealt with something like that i don't think there's ever a time that i fell that i would say that i fell out of love with the sport mm-hmm. there is a time when i would say the sport broke my heart Ooh. Um, and I think that happens when we experience certain defeats, you know, when we have disappointments, um, injuries will do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, lack in leadership, 
um, those kind of things will, will break your heart. And I've, I have experienced some heartbreaks along the way, but you know, just like all of the difficulties, um, all of the things that we experience that are hard, um, those are the things that, you know, that we always say that, that make us better. And then when we look back on them, we're actually grateful for those experiences because they did make us better and they were actually an opportunity for us to grow. And without those experiences, we don't continue to grow at the level that we could have, you know? And so, um, yeah, I, I would not say that I ever fell out of love, but I did experience heartbreak and I did have to work on myself and my own heart and my own forgiveness, um, for, to myself and my own forgiveness, um, towards others, you know, and I think that's ultimately good for us when we have to experience those things. Mm -hmm. Did you take a break at that point in time? Did you take a break from the sport and just have to take a step back or were you one of those that, um, had to continue competing and continue wrestling, you know, cause there's sometimes there's like two ways to go about it, you know? Yeah. Uh, no, I haven't stepped. I don't, there wasn't a time there. I like stepped back, you know, except for, you know, because of injury, I've had injuries yeah. and stuff like that in college. And, but even then I was still in the practice room, um, you know, right away. Like even when I wasn't able to be wrestling, I was still in the room. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah. And I, I do think that's, um, a big thing that, we don't talk about too much in our sport, you know, a broken heart is kind of an injury too. Right. And I think a lot of people experiences those, those heartbreaks. And if we don't, if we don't heal them, if we don't work on them, if we don't work on ourselves, if we just ignore them, they're not going to go away. Just like any other injury. Um, it doesn't just go away without time and attention. And, you know, we need therapy to, to therapy, like physical therapy, when you like hurt an injury and, you, you still need to put that same time and that same therapy into your heart when, when the sport maybe breaks your heart as well. Mm -hmm. Is that what you did when, when you experienced that or how did you kind of mend your broken heart? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, again, uh, you know, I'm a Christian and so I, I took those things to God and, um, I, I just, you know, spent time with God and also, in giving that forgiveness to, to myself and to the areas that, that needed it. And it does, it does take time and just, mm -hmm. um, every day, just kind of working on it a little bit at a time. Yeah. Pa yeah. Takes time, patience and time. That's, that's tough though. You know, when you're dealing with something like that to, you know, did, how did your training go while you were still trying to you know, when you're going through that and you're trying to like, you know, mend your broken heart and you're still trying to train and compete, you know, how did you kind of balance all those at the same time? Um, it gives you, um, again, it provides another unique opportunity for you to be able to work through some things, you know, mm -hmm. because maybe you're more emotional at practice, you know, maybe, maybe someone says something that day that normally wouldn't bother you, but because you're working through these things, it does you know, and, and then that's just another thing to work through or to, to not, to not make it matter or to not allow it to affect you. And, and that, that in return is also making you stronger because now you're having to deal with this adversity too. 
So, Mm -hmm. or maybe, you know, maybe at practice, instead of being focused on what you're working on and the technique you need to, you're distracted by the other thoughts in your mind about whatever difficulties you're struggling with and being able to work through those difficulties, being able to work through that lack of focus in order to zone in and focus on what you're doing. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, just another training tool, um, to help us grow stronger. Mm -hmm. So is, is that sort of the advice you give, you know, if you're kind of giving some advice to athletes who might be going through uh, something similar, broken heart, or just tough adversity is just, just think about it as a tool and use it to your advantage instead of looking at it as a negative. Yeah. Have you ever heard that country song? If you're going through hell, just keep going. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. (laughs) It's just like that. If you're, you know, if you're going through it, just keep going and you know, everything can be used, um, for our betterment. If we choose to look at it that way, Mm -hmm. if we choose to look at everything, you know, either everything in the world matters or everything in the world doesn't. So either everything you do in the world doesn't matter. And then that's a kind of a lame and that's actually really depressing life yeah. or everything in the world you do does matter. And when it does matter, all the little things, all the ways that you view things, um, all the, the little minute things that you do and consider and like, even with dealing, you know, with a broken heart and those things, like all of those decisions, when they matter, they matter. And it, it makes a, a big difference overall. And so, yeah, I guess my advice would be to, if that's something that you're dealing with, if, it, you know, if, if the sport has broken your heart, you know, give for forgiveness to yourself and give for forgiveness to those areas that, that need it. And it's not going to be easy. It's going to be mm-hmm. difficult when you first start practicing, um, that, that type of, of forgiveness. But if you don't work on that heartbreak, if you just ignore it and you just let it go, it's only going to, to build and ultimately not help you. Mm-hmm. And also my one thing that I struggle with, so maybe this is more of a personal or selfish question, but you know, I have a hard time sometimes seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, you know? So what advice, you know, might you have for people who are going through that, but they feel like they've been doing it for so long and they don't quite see an end, you know, how do you kind of keep telling them to kind of keep pushing, even though they've been doing it for, you know, a month, six months, a year or whatever the case may be. Here's the thing. You're, you're not going to see the end until you're there, you know, (laughs) no matter if it's which way, you know, positive or negative, you're still not going to see the end, you know, uh, ahead of time. Um, so, you know, you, you know what the negative perspective has given you in the past. So maybe choosing to, to try the, the positive because you've already done the negative. You've Mm -hmm. already, you've already tried that route. So maybe giving yourself some grace and, and looking at it from the positive perspective might be a, a helpful option to at least give a try. Um, but yeah, looking at the light at the end of the tunnel, um, I think instead of focusing on the big picture, and focusing on the end, just like in a match, if you focus on trying to get your hand raised, the chances of you getting your hand raised are going to be kind of difficult. But when you focus on doing the things that you need to do in order to get your hand raised, that's what ultimately helps you get that, that W, you know? And so the same thing, light at the end of the tunnel, when you focus on being there at the end, getting there, um, that's not the most, helpful thing. When you focus on what it is that I need to do to get to the light at the end of the tunnel, then 
you know, you start kind of maybe even enjoying yourself, you know, maybe having, even having a good time on what you're doing, you know, the same thing is said in a different way. Um, it's about the journey when you can enjoy the journey. It's not about, you know, the end result. It's not about the goal. It's about the journey. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well said. Thank you. Yeah. Well, cause I'm just thinking, you know, like, like you're saying, enjoying the journey or when you're focusing on the end result and that's all you focus on, you're, you're, you're overlooking what it takes to get there, you know? And so when you start focusing on what it takes to get there, next thing, you know, kind of like you said, you just, you're, you're, you're already there and you don't even realize it. You're like, Oh, like, so that's some pretty, that's a pretty powerful stuff. Cause I feel um, wrestling is one of those sports because it's a, individual sport yet still a team sport but individuals go through such hard times you know and it's easy to get caught up and look at the the end goal without seeing what you need to do to get there yeah and and i think sometimes that angle changes too you know a a lot of times the angle is like you know maybe a um a a pursuit for ourselves you know and maybe accolades for ourselves um but then when the goal might change, when we find a way to, to give back and help others along the way, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, Oh, wow, this is actually bigger than me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just about me achieving this or that, but it's actually about sharing that achievement with others or sharing that knowledge on how to achieve that with others. What is your end goal? I mean, like, like a lot in wrestling, you know, I want to be, you know, I want, I want that world title. I want that Olympic title, all of those things. But, you know, I, I do also want to coach like when I'm done training and when I'm done competing, I do want to coach full times. I want to help other people chase their dreams. Mm -hmm. I want to help other people. And, and not only in the sport of wrestling, um, like I want to be able to help other people chase their dreams and their goals as well. How? I'm not really sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think, I mean, just my perspective, I think you got, you, you have what it takes, obviously. And everything you said here, it just seems like some, some of what you said is a different perspective, which is great because it's great to have multiple perspectives on the same thing because you never know what's going to work with one athlete. Right. So perspective that you bring is, is unique to, to your own. And I think it's great. And it's, it's going to work and I can't wait to, to see what the future holds, you know? Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Let's Talk Wrestling podcast. Special thanks to my guest, Lauren Louise, for taking the time to sit down and chat with me. Cover art created and designed by Kristen Gill. Please feel free to rate, comment, and subscribe to this podcast. You can also check me out on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and my brand new Facebook page to hear more of my content. I also have a new website you can visit at www.letstalkwrestlingpodcast.my.com dot canva dot site and as always 
Be sure to tune in to hear the next guest of the Let's Talk Wrestling podcast. Take care, and we will see you next time. And I got my gun in my boot, person at home.